Welcome to Joanna and the Maestro. Hello, Maestro. Hello, and welcome to this mini-episode of Joanna and the Maestro. Last month, we had the great pleasure of having Stephen Fry on the podcast, and we spoke about his early memories of hearing Schubert reverberating from his father's practice room, the conflict within Tchaikovsky's magnificent violin concerto, and Stephen's undying love for Wagner. Well, our conversation didn't stop there. We kept the microphones rolling a little more for this bonus mini-episode, and this is where we left off, thinking about the vital part which the audience plays in bringing a performance together. Stephen, as an actor, I've always thought of music as the senior service, if you know what I mean. Because I think that, this is a horrible thing to say, but I think we all speak, therefore anybody who speaks can act, because that's what acting is, it's (laughs) speaking and pretending to be somebody else. (laughs) We can't all dance and we can't all paint, but we can all do something, we can make something. Do you feel, as I do, that we all have music tucked into every part of us, but only some of us can really do it. And I want to be the other side of the coin. So people who make the music, who compose it and play it, I want to be the other side, the audience side. Yes, Because I can't do it as well. But I feel so full of music, I can't explain it. I feel as though music is entirely within me and always was, utterly, but I can't do it. So I'm going to be the other part of it, the listening part. There's a great exchange in The Merchant of Venice, isn't there, where the man who hath no music in him, nor is not moved by concord of sweet sounds, is fit only for treason, stratagems and spoils. And he doesn't say the man who can't perform music. No. No, He's saying the man that hath no music in him, just the phrase you used, have music in you, nor Mm. is not moved by concord of sweet sounds. And I sort of know what you mean. It is all through this year up to October and, and bits of last year, I was president of the MCC, cricket being a great love of mine. And I was, I think, probably the first president of the MCC who wasn't in any way a cricket professional, who had never played professionally and never wasn't a cricket journalist or commentator or administrator or anything of that nature. And at first it made me feel a bit embarrassed. But then I thought, well, no, someone has to represent the cricket lover. That is, mm-hmm. the, the cricket wouldn't exist without people coming to watch games and loving them and talking about them, being excited about them and, and, and swapping information about them and sitting glued to, to watching them. So I then realised I had a happy sort of role as representing the public rather than the players or the administrators. And it's sort of what you're saying about music is, you know, be, mm. we accept that we're never going to be music makers, but accept in the sense that you're a music maker if you were part of an audience that Mm. helps make music work at that moment, that evening. I'm going to see a very fine pianist called Angelo Villani, who's not very well known next week, who had a terrible sort of injury and he plays in gloves. I don't know if you've ever seen him. Writes his own uh, transpositions, beautiful transpositions of things. He's a really wonderful, Mm. look look, look him up. He's absolutely amazing. Angelo? Villani, V-I-L-L-A-N-I. Angelo Villani. Villani. He's really amazing. A pianist I've discovered who has an amazing story called Nyiriegazi. Ervin Nyiriegazi. It's, I probably pronounce completely wrong. Nyiriegazi. Oh, goodness. He's Hungarian. He's dead. Mm. He was hailed as one of the true greats at a time when Hungary was producing so many great mathematicians, artists, everything else. Mm. But he was a <laughs> He's an alcoholic and a bit of a monster. 
And he disappeared out of sight and was rediscovered by someone who heard him playing in a saloon in San Francisco or something absurd like that and dragged him into a warehouse where he put up microphones and recorded him. He does these astonishing improvisations as well as playing all kinds of pieces. There are a couple on the usual sources like Apple Music. There's Nirigazi at the opera, six improvisations of operatic pieces where he does Pagliacci. It has a drive and a force that makes you pay attention and at its best can be transcendent and transformative. The other one that I've got here is he does the the legends St. Francis of Assisi. He does a lot of transcendent list in the most amazing. There's Petrarch's sonnets and the Villa d'Esti Cyprus and mm-hmm. all those ones. And the best one is the Wallenstad Lake. There's something quite astonishing about him. My absolute well, favourite list. Stephen, is it the Wallenstad Lake? Is that your favourite? No, uh, my favourite player used to be George Bollett, spelt Jorge Bollet. Yes, pronounced yes, George yes. Bollett. Brilliant player of list. I mean, astonishing. But I think this guy in these ones, he couldn't conquer his alcoholism and they had an argument with the producer and stormed out and disappeared in penury. It's a terribly sad story. Someone said to me, make a great Hollywood story. I said, I'm afraid you don't know Hollywood. <laughs> if, if it ended with him getting a super recording contract and being appearing at the Carnegie Hall with roses thrown at him, yes, it might. But the idea that he ends up in, in some kind of doss house swigging meths is not a Hollywood story. Are you still curious about new music or music that you haven't yet found on your doorstep? Yes. If you call it new music, Conlon Nancaro has recently struck me. It was a wonderful... For people who are not familiar with him, he was an American Mm -hmm. who wrote pieces for what is often known as a prepared piano. But in fact, in his case, he would produce these piano rolls for pianolas. He would... Mm individually by hand punch holes in them, Mm -hmm. knowing how to do that, to create music that is infinitely faster in some places than a human finger could possibly manage. (laughs) But it creates these these patterns of sound, which are quite Mm. astonishing. He was very left-wing and was persecuted uh, by the FBI and so went off to live the rest of his life in Mexico. Try the studies for piano. I think it's number 20, where they, amazingly, the left hand is very, very slow and the right hand incredibly fast. I mean, more fast almost than is possible to believe. But they swap over. That's to say the right slows down marginally and the left speeds up. And at exactly the middle of the recording, they swap over and the, and the bottom half becomes incredibly fast and the right hand incredibly slow. It's very, very thrilling somehow.
Interesting people are big fans of his. Simone Bichkov, the conductor, yeah. had a conversation with her once about him and with Tom Addis, who's a friend. Now, Thomas Addis mm-hmm. is a modern composer that I greatly admire. He's a friend, as I say, so naturally I would. But, <laughs> but he is, I think, along with George Benjamin, perhaps the best of our current mm-hmm. British yep. contemporary composers. There's a big young generation coming up who are very exciting as well. But these two have been around for some time and... Uh, George Benjamin was mentored by Messiaen, has, yes, of course. Yeah. has that sort of quality to him. Tom is, is intellectually very powerful and has an enormous range of knowledge about literature and art generally. So he's, you know, for example, done ballets of Dante, mm-hmm. as well as doing versions of The Tempest and other such things, and violin concertos. And he, he's, he's amazingly prolific. And his music is, I don't think, difficult to listen to. He is contemporary. Mm-hmm. So when you first put it on, it's not going to sound, you know, like Mendelssohn. There's no question about that. <laughs> but nonetheless, it tells a story and it has, energy. I suppose that's the thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's perhaps above all what loving classical music teaches you to do is to pay attention. You have to listen. You can't just let it wash over you. It's not just for toe tapping and solace. And one thing I would quickly say is that the big subject of the moment for everybody is AI and uh, generative AI, which produces music, produces painting, produces poetry of a ghastly quality at the moment. And doubtless it'll get sort of better. And of course, all the other technologies that go with it, they take away the one wonderful thing that is being lost in music, which is virtuosity, Mm. the power of an individual to make noises by blowing or moving their fingers, you know, oscillating a bow Mm -hmm. or singing. And as Roland Barthes demanded in in the wonderful essay on grain, it's all the better when you hear the grain of the voice, Mm. the larynx or the rasp and the spittle in the trombone and the rosin and the horsehair of the violin, the absolute reality of a real person in real time creating these sounds in an age in which everything is packaged together in a studio and done with electronic digital help. You know, nothing wrong with Hans Zimmer and the way he does his music, and that's fine for movies and things, but I'm sure he'd be the first to agree there's enormous space for this fantastic value, which is only getting more valuable because Mm -hmm. it's rarer, because of AI and digital Mm -hmm. music. The thrill... Of hearing a human being. It's the human. It's the finger squeaking on the strings. It is. It's the gasp. It's the breath being taken in. It's the sound of the great... Remember the unplugged movement that happened in popular music when McCartney and others just decided... And and that was very, very popular for that reason, I think, because the CD was having primacy and they suddenly realised what had been lost. And I think the next generation, the generation coming up, I try to be optimistic, they'll discover the magic and the tension and the thrill of real music. And I hope that will cause a a kind of mini renaissance. (laughs) In this episode, you heard the following music. Pagliacci, excerpts, written by Ruggiero Leoncavello, performed by Irvin Niergazi. The record label was VAI, 1992. Study number 20, written by Conlon Nancaro and performed by Conlon Nancaro. The publisher was Shot Music Limited and the record label was Other Minds.